Hello, I'm Father Fred Caldwell, a Catholic priest in McKinney, Texas. And my name is George. I've been studying the Bible and religion all my life. Together, we'll be taking a new and often unexpected look at all things spiritual. And our podcast is named Soul Survivors. Hello, this is Father Fred again. And today we're going to be examining the two stories of creation. But before we do that, I think we need to go back and and look back at uh, chapter 6, 7, and 8 in Genesis to see what uh, the two stories were about the flood. We had uh, a couple of different writers. We had one that's always referred to the Supreme Being as God, God, God. We had another one that always referred to the Supreme Being as Lord, Lord, Lord. So as we read those, first thing you remember, we read in one place that God told Noah to take two of every animal, every one. And then we read in another place where he said to take 14. So we need to examine those and uh, check to see how these came about. In chapter 7, if you've got a pencil, you might get a pencil and paper and have your Bible with you if you would. To look at chapter 7, we read that God tells to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for you alone in this generation have I found to be righteous before me. Of every clean animal, take with you seven pairs, a male and its mate, and of the unclean animals, one pair, a male and its mate. Now, in this one, we're going to take those clean animals, we're going to take 14 of them. So this is one of the, the stories that we have, one version in the story of the flood. We might examine just how this person is, his characteristics. His, he's always referred to as Lord, Lord, Lord. He's, all, he's going to take 14 animals instead of just two, as we always have. And check that out, why he's taking 14, because it just takes up space. Why would he take 14? Because in chapter 8, right at the very end, it says that Noah got off that ark and he got those clean animals and he offered a sacrifice to Yahweh. Yahweh is the same person that said take 14. And now he's telling why he took 14, because now he's going to sacrifice some. But in chapter 6, the other person that's going to be having a name for God is not going to be Yahweh like it was on the other in chapter 7. It's going to be God, God, God. And when we have God, we also have some certain characteristics that go with him. He has, he's going to have a lot of different details. For instance, in chapter 6, verse 14, he's telling them how to make the flood. And you notice all of these details. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Equip the ark with various compartments and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall build it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make an opening for daylight and finish the ark a cubit above it. Put the ark's entrance on its side. You will make it with bottom, second, and third decks. So when we read that God is the supreme being, going to be using a lot of details. We're going to read that it's God, God, God. It's going to be a God that is kind of distant. He's either telling somebody what to do or he's telling them what it is that he's going to do. So we've got God with 
with those characteristics, you remember those. And when we read with the Yahweh, you remember that he is going to be interested in sacrifices. And the only place that sacrifice can be made is in the south, in the temple that Solomon makes. And in that temple, he says he wants to bring all animals that are going to be sacrificed to, to this temple. You can't do it anyplace else. So we might keep that in mind. And if you were not reading the, the first one or you did not listen to the first one, you might want to go back and get it because it's going to help you to understand the second podcast because it's based on what you hear from the first podcast. Hey, Father Fred, um, just for a quick review, see if I got this right. In the South, they have a personal God, and they refer to him as Yahweh. God often has human characteristics such as jealousy and disappointment and anger. The South had little water because of their geographical location, and they emphasized sacrifices because the South had, the, had Jerusalem. In the North, they had lots of water. God was impersonal. They had lots of technical details, and they often referred to God simply as, as God. There was not as personal a relationship with God. Is all that correct? That sounds good, and that's, that's what we're going to find more of when we get into uh, the first chapter of Genesis, because we're going to have two stories here. It's going to be God, God, God in one, and it's going to change a little bit, and it's going to be Lord God in chapter two. Uh, let's just go ahead and look now at uh, chapter 1, and we're, if you have your Bible, to open it to chapter 1 and verse 1. And it's also good to have a, a pencil and paper there uh, in case you'd like to take down these, uh, these, these quotes, these scripture. Number 1, the first verse says, In the beginning when God created the earth. Now the first thing you see is the word God. That means it's going to be from the kingdom of where God is going to be off, he's aloof. He's only going to give instructions to somebody to tell them what to do, or he's going to tell you what it is that, that he's going to do. And he is the one that's in charge. There's no uh, nobody else that is going to uh, be talking with him or, or anything else. He's, he's going to be the one that takes the whole stage. Then in chapter 2, we read something funny. He's already created the heavens and earth. And in chapter, in verse two, it says, the earth was without form now, and it's without shape. Now, when we find, look at something, everything we look at has form and it has shape. Some places, some Bibles, and each Bible will say something a little different. Some Bibles will say the earth was void. And another place it says the earth was empty. Or in other words, there's nothing there. In our manner of thinking, we have something that either exists or doesn't exist, something that we can see or something that we cannot see. But that's for us to get the, the idea of what this is, because as we read it just like we would at, the, at our, our time, we would read something like the earth did not exist, but God has already created it. So we have to look back to how in the world did they look at these back in the time when this creation story was written. And there are many creation stories. Some are older than the ones in our Bible. And for instance, there's one in Mesopotamia, which is several hundred miles east of uh, Jerusalem. And it's going to be close to, oh, there's a couple of rivers there, Tigris and Euphrates. It's called Mesopotamia. 
And for their, their story of the creation, they have a God named Marduk, and Marduk is the head God. He's going to take care of everything. But there's another problem. There was, there was chaos there. There was a, it was caused mainly by a big sea monster that kept things all stirred up. And the key sea monster wanted to make everything bad or make it chaos. And Marduk was going to try and calm things. Well, one day the sea monster came up. He could scream real loud and so loud that he would destroy, he would just disintegrate whatever he screamed at. So he decided to come to Marduk and get away with him, do away with him. So he came and he screamed or he got ready to scream when he opened his mouth. But now Marduk had control of the winds from the north, the south, and the east and the west. And that means all of it, just like we talk about the four corners of the earth. They were talking about everything. He had control of that wind. So what he did was when, when the sea monster opened its mouth to scream at him, he had that wind to flow into, their, his, into that sea monster's mouth and it couldn't close its mouth. And so then he got a bow and arrow and shot into that, that sea monster and killed it. Well, when the sea monster was killed, chaos disappeared. For them, for them, creation is not something versus nothing. It's something out of order and something in order. So when the world became ordered, then it became existent for them. It's not that way for us, but for them, it's, it's either everything is in order and it exists, or if it's not in order, it's not even there. In Egypt, there was also, they also had their story of creation. They had a, it started out with the world was there with all this, the chaotic water. And so that meant there was nothing really there because it was in chaos. And it started out with a, a voice that came out of that water and it said, I am water. Then another voice came out and said, I am Atum. And Atum fought with the evil that was trying to cause the disturbance. And he, he won. And so the sea was calmed. And when it was calmed, it came into existence. This is the same thing in this first chapter of creation. The earth was without form, which means nothing there. And it was, it was really something there for, as far as we're concerned, but it was all chaos. So when God calmed down the chaos, the earth came into existence. The main difference between the two is those others had to fight to get chaos removed. All God, our God did was speak the word and, and the chaos disappeared. Father Fred, can I interject something here? Yes. Okay, so in the beginning of Genesis, and I'm going to read from the ESV version, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, you're saying that to us, in modern day society, void means nothing there. But to the ancients, that word void meant chaos. Is that correct? That's correct. Exactly. Okay. So that reminds me of the beginning of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That phrase, in the beginning, would immediately take the reader back to Genesis that also starts in the beginning. So the writer of John, John the Apostle, is comparing 
what he's about to say with the intro to Genesis. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we think Word, we think, you know, uh, a series of syllables. But to the Greeks, the word there is, is logos, and that word means putting something in order, logic, power. So it's divine reasoning and power. So the writer of John is going back to Genesis and saying, Jesus was there at the creation, and he created creation, and he was God. So he was divine logic and reasoning. That's a very good, good, good point to make, yes. That's the same. Now, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, that's in chapter 1. It's also said the same way in chapter 2 when, when we begin the second story. Only in the second one, it's not in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's God created the earth and the heavens. So what, we're, what, the, what the writer is getting across is God is control, in control of everything. The, as we read on, we come to what, what God is going to do in, in six different steps. And again, when we got God, we want to notice that we've got a whole lot of details. The first day, the second day, the third day. When we get to chapter two, it's just like it happens all in one day. Uh, so let, let's look now at verse three. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse three. Now, different Bibles will say different things. It'll say the same thing, but it'll be, have the words different. Is this chapter one, verse three? Chapter one, verse three. And this, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, first of all, darkness can be frightening. Darkness, if everything is dark, I, I was down in Mexico walking in a little old village that didn't have any stops, any street lights. And in that uh, town at night, when, this, when there was no moon, you could not see anything. And it was frightening. And God knew this for the people. So he says, let there be light. So he didn't do away with the darkness, but he controlled it. He was in control of the light. He put the the, the darkness for a shorter time because we need darkness to to sleep to to to, uh, to, to rest and get uh, get ready for the next day but he didn't he did not remove it but he controlled it he and this scripture tells us that god is in control of what we have in our lives and then god saw this is verse four god saw that the light was good and the, god then separated the light from the darkness so here he is not He's not doing away with the darkness, but he's controlling it. He's in control of everything. Verse 5 has something interesting. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then it says, evening came, and morning followed. That is not the way we look at days in our day, in present time. If we're going to talk about the day, we start with the morning, and then the noon, and then the evening. But in, in uh, the time of this scripture, when it was written, it starts evening came that's first that's the beginning of the day evening came and then morning followed and that was the first day that's why in the catholic church we have an obligation that we should go to church on sundays but we can also fulfill that obligation if we go on saturday night at uh, after five o'clock that's the time when the day started for the israelites and in our church time that's when it is so you can, 
If you go on Saturday night, there's no need for, for you to go on Sunday. Chapter six, verse 6. Here's something interesting again. God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate one body of water from the other. Now, these riders must have been looking. They saw the water on the earth, and they knew when it rained, there was going to be water come from above. And so they're thinking, How's, what's going to hold that water up there to keep from raining? Uh, sometimes it rains and sometimes it doesn't. What keeps it from raining? So the rider here puts a dome and raises it up to keep the water above from the water below. Then God says, God, this is verse 7, God made the dome and it separated the water below the dome from the water above the dome. And so it happened. And then verse 8 says, God called the dome sky. And here we have again, evening came and morning followed. And that's the second day. And then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into a single basin so that the dry land may appear. Up until now, there is no dry land. You can't live with just water. Water, if you ever think about like being out in the ocean and you see the water and you see the waves and you see the fear and God wants to remove the fear just like from when he, when he took the darkness and, and controlled it, he's going to take this water also and he's going to control it and he's going to make land appear. And so it happened. The water under the sky was gathered into a basin. That's kind of way, the way they're thinking about it, putting it in a basin. Now, we know water will seek its own level, so that's going to come out of that basin. But uh, he, he made, uh, he, God called the dry land earth, and the basin of the water he called the sea. And God said that it was good. Then God said, this is verse 11, let the earth bring forth vegetation of every kind, every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And so it happened. You might put a mark there. The first thing that God makes is the vegetation, the plants, because we're going to see a different order when we get to chapter 2. Verse 12 says, The earth brought forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And here we have the same thing again, same details, and God's going to have when it's God, it's going to have many details. Verse 13 says, Evening came and mo morning followed, and that's the third day. Verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from night. Let them mark the seasons and the days of the years. Now, here's a question that c can come to you. God has already created day and night, and now he's going to create the sun and the moon. Why did he not put the sun and the moon at the beginning? Many scholars say they were doing this to make sure that uh, these people that worship the sun and the moon were not going to think that it was in control, but that God was in control. I have a question, Father Fred. Yes. So where'd the light come from if there was no sun? That is a, a godly question. And <laughs> I guess it would have to be a godly answer. Uh, God can God can do whatever he wants to. But... Uh, this, it's, uh, this is, remember, this is not God talking. This is what a man is writing. This is a man that's, that's from the northern kingdom where there is, uh, we just read, a whole lot of water, a whole lot of details, and God, God, God. So let's look at, at verse 14. 
Then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate day from night. Now, he's already separated day from night, hasn't he, George? Yeah. And let them mark the seasons and the days of the years and serve as lights in the dome of the sky to illuminate the earth. And so it happened. So God, verse 16 says, God made two great lights, the greater one to govern the day and the lesser one to govern the night. And he also made the stars. Now, this is a God that is, is way back. He can do anything. He's now, he's making the stars and the moon and all of the planets. And God set them in the dome of the sky to illuminate the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God said that it was good. And here we begin. Evening came and morning followed the fourth day. Then God said, let the water teem with an abundance of living creatures and on the earth let birds fly beneath the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and all kinds of crawling, crawling living creatures with which the water teems and all kinds of winged birds. God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fertile, multiply, and fill the water of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And then evening came and morning followed, and that was the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature, tame animals, crawling things, and every kind of wild animal. And so it happened. God made every kind of wild animal, every kind of tame animal, and every thing that crawls on the ground. And God said that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. You might put down the second thing he made was animals, and now he's going to make humans, and he's going to make them both at the same time. Let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. Now, some people say that our refers to the Trinity. Some people say it, it, it refers to God as the head of a celestial community, celestial group. But he says in verse 26, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. We are the only ones that are made in God's likeness, not the animals and not the planets. Hey, Father Fred, in a future episode, can we examine what it means to be made in God's image? That sounds good. That's yeah. Okay. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame animals, all the wild animals, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. And God created mankind in his image. How special is that? We are made in the image and the likeness of God. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, both of them at the same time. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fertile, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the living things that crawl on the earth. And God also said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on all the earth and every tree that has seed-bearing on it to be your food. Evidently, those people back there thought that for having to be healthy, all they ate were vegetables and fruits. It, he didn't give them the animals to eat yet, just the seeds from the seed-bearing plants and the fruits from the trees. And to all the wild animals, all birds of the air, and all the living creatures that crawl on the earth, I give all the green plants for food, just the plants. And so it happened. God looked at everything 
he had made and found it very good. Evening came and morning followed the sixth day. And that's the end of chapter one. Father Fred, I have a question. It says that God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. Are those literal days? I, I think it's impossible to be literal days because how how can you can compare a finite time with an infinite time? Uh, I, I look at it kind of like this. Here we got the earth and off to the side, there is the sun. And as the earth turns, if it turns 24 hours, marks another day. 24 more hours marks another day. God is above all of those. It doesn't make any difference to God how many times that earth turns. God is going to be, we say, in the present tense all the time. That's one, one theory anyway. Is there a significance to the number seven? Yes. Now, we've only got six so far. And that's, what's, that's one thing that was kind of puzzling to me to start with. Why isn't, why isn't the seventh day in that first chapter? But it's not. And maybe there is a reason for it. But first of all, I see two things that is what we would call inspired by God. Two things in chapter one. Number one is everything that God creates is good. And that includes people, mainly people. Secondly, God wants us to be in conjunction with him. He wants this, his kingdom to be our kingdom. He wants us to be involved in this kingdom. Okay. Okay. So we're running out of time. I, uh, is this a good place to stop? We got uh, maybe a couple more minutes, but it looks like we're going to have to continue the creation story onto episode three. But is there anything you want to say to wrap up this episode? Well, one thing, uh, something that I didn't mention back in chapter seven, uh, we've talked about the two stories and you've never seen them yet, probably, uh, unless you've gone to your computer. I would say this, go to your computer and pull up the two biblical stories of the flood side by side. And you will see that on one side, it's a complete story and it's Yahweh all the way through. On the other side, it's God on the way, all the way through. And it's two complete stories. And what does the word Yahweh mean for Yahweh? Yahweh is, comes from, from uh, it's called a tetragrammaton. It's, uh, it's the, the Jews will not say the word God. They will not write it. They'll write a capital G and a blank and a little d. So they only had four letters, Y-H-W-H. Uh, that was their, the, their term for, for God. Uh, then later, so that we could pronounce it, we put in a couple of vowels and made it Yahweh. And, and then when some um, uh, transliteration, a mistake, when they came from German to English, they didn't know that a J in German is pronounced like a, a Y. And so they pronounced it now Jehovah. But uh, Jehovah is really just a transliteration, an error, come, going from Yahweh to Jehovah. Chapter 3, we're really going to get to examine uh, that, the, the, the Yahweh form. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you for listening to Episode 2. Creation Story will continue on Episode 3. Thank you and have a good day. God bless.